Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, welcome people to episode 476 of Film Bastards. I am one of your co-hosts, Mark Foster, and as ever I am joined by... Ian Loring. And uh, Becky's not with us at the moment, um, she's hoping to be joining us later, but she's on her way back from work, um, and I think she has to do something on her way home, so she's hopefully going to join us um, later on, uh, hopefully in time to cover The Pale Blue Eye, because that's the main film that she's seen that we're reviewing, because we're also, we're also reviewing The Enforcer, a movie that was released in cinemas. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um... <laughs> A, a, a hopefully a swathe of people going what <laughs> what film <laughs> right now uh, that are listening yeah we're looking at the enforcer um, I think both me and Ian have got a bit of a bumper uh, what we've been watching haven't we um, shitload mate yeah um, we'll get into that in a minute as, as to why because <laughs> um, we started talking about our fair and went oh this is sure shit um, we've also got a few trailers a couple of questions and other bits we've just recorded the final episode of Lock, Stock and Three Smoking Bastards over on our Patreon. Uh, just like $2 a month and that gets you marathons and extra shows. Ian's going to be doing Shite or Sound, uh, which is a thorough look at the um, Sight and Sound top 100 it is, in it? Uh, yep. list of, of, of films there and uh, will be various guests I think on there I'll be joining him for some of them um, but not, not all of them uh, because that's will, crazy. And I will just say if any listeners are interested in also joining in recording any episodes on any of that top 100 get in touch yes absolutely um, so yeah so where are Pod Syndicate um Podcast. Uh, go listen to other shows, including Chin Drugs Punter, Rewatch Project, um, his film, her movie, and there's other ones. Just go listen to them. Go listen to the podcast. It's good. It's, it's good for your mind. Uh, but listen to this one first. Finish listening to this one first. Um, so, yeah, well, yeah, before we get into news or other bits, we've both watched a lot this week. Mm. And I, I was saying to Ian, the, the, the reason why I've watched a lot this week um, is because I felt affronted um, <laughs> at <laughs> at something. Um, so <laughs> I will I, I'll just I will just kind of go through this if you'll if you'll if you'll indulge me. Uh, I love it, but... for for a little bit. So twenty twenty. I'm just going to go through like my full list. I missed some on twenty nineteen on Letterbox. I've been I've been very good with it for the past few years though. So my 2020, 382 movies. Um, my 2021, I think I topped 388 movies. 2022, let's see what it says. Yeah, 326. It's, yeah. So I was pissed off with myself uh, that I hadn't cracked that that one a day average that, that I... You know, strive for um, over time. Not even like watching a film every day, but like having the occasional day where it's nice to just churn out three or four movies in a day. Um, uh, so yeah, so it is the eleventh um, of January as we record, and I will probably be watching um, a movie tonight after we, we we finish recording. And I'm sat on a nice sort of fifteen at the moment, and I'm kind of happy with that at the moment. I'm, I'm, I'm getting in. I, I'm, I'm stocking up. 
<laughs> it's, it's making me feel good. And I've watched some I watched some fun stuff uh, this past uh, week. Yeah, it's wild because I'm having a look here and it's like so... Man, I haven't been consistent hitting a film a day in years. So like 2019, 305. 2020, like the height of COVID, 291. What I the think- Fuck. I think it's one of those things, though, um, because because I, I have less excuses than you, uh, because I don't have a small child, uh, so you know I, I I effectively don't have that element of my life where it's parenting. Um, um, but so, Mark, the yeah. year after twenty twenty one, I watched three hundred and seventy. Yeah, it's, it's I watched seventy nine more films. The year that we were allowed out more. Yeah. I think it's one of the things, though. I think when you've got... When you have an active amount of time, like we did, harking back to the COVID bit, I found that what was happening with me a little bit was because I knew that I had all this time to watch more, I was actually watching less and going, well, I can can feel that I can do that at this point. You know what as well? I think I was doing a lot of overtime at work because it was mm. like, I may as well get the hours in because I'm not doing anything else. Yeah, there's, there's, there's certain reasons. But yeah, this year I'm going to... Um, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to try and aim for um, like at least that one day average this year, possibly even more. Um, so, uh, yeah, 2022... I um I logged three hundred and twenty nine, um, and yeah, I'm I'm I don't know. It's difficult because like a film a day, it it's just the like how you actually get that in and what you're not doing to achieve that. Um, and it's like my my so I'm on fifteen as well. Funnily enough, so far this year, um. But that's because I fucked my back up at the weekend and I mm. watched five films on Sunday. <laughs> I, did, I did see that five film stretch and went, ooh, oh, I had done five films a day in a long time. But, I, but, that, but throwing your back out aside, that just looks like a fucking nice day that you had there. No, I mean, that, that, that aspect of it was, yeah, was lovely. And, you know, it's like Donna... It, so Friday, I'm going for a double bill at the cinema... Then Saturday and Sunday night, Donna's out. So lots will be with me, but at the same time, I'll probably get through at least two films then. And I like my my thinking is I'm gonna try and bank my numbers up while it's still dark out and it's yes. cold. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Banking numbers up in winter so you can kind of enjoy summer a little bit more. So you can have a weekend, maybe, in summer where you, you watch like one movie but it's in a morning. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But it or it's like um so we're going um if if I say um we're we're going to France for a week with um some family friends, they the mother of which is that um woman who um uh sent those message voice messages oh yes <laughs> so um and uh that sorry that is completely between mark and i and the boy and no jordan mike so apologies but um uh 
yeah, we're, we're going away with their family for a week, which we are really looking forward to. And they're really lovely people and their boys are really nice. Um, and uh, But that week, I'm like, I want to make sure that I'm not being the antisocial. I need to get a film in, you know, yeah. like, you know, and actually like go out and do shit with them because the, uh, the, the like the husband, he's super outdoorsy. And I've already said to Donna, I'm going to need a day or two of the seven days where I'm going to be like, no, I'm going to hang back, have a beer and watch something on the iPad while you guys go out for a hike. Yes. But beyond that, I'm around. I'm going to do kayaking. I'm going to go on water slides like a motherfucker. Like, I'll... I'll do a bit of rock climbing if that's there or whatever, you know. Yeah, but, but it's the, I need a day. It's, I, I've said, I need two days. You give me two days, like, through that week, and I'll be fine. You know, but yeah, so that's the thing. It's like, if you build it up, then like you say, the summer months, maybe you can take it easy on yourself a little bit more there. But yeah. I do, like, October... I really want that to be scary season more than it has been the last few years. Um, yes. Like Christmas, I didn't get fr- I didn't get through quite all the Christmas films I wanted to. No, I I had a poor Christmas this year um, in terms of film watching. I didn't Chris, uh, otherwise, but I think that was because the week in between the week before Christmas and the week after Christmas, I was doing like six a.m. starts. So for me, <laughs> that means I have to get up at. 4am and set off at half 4 in the morning to then start work at 6am to then not get home till like um, like 5 o'clock in the, in the afternoon so I was going to bed a lot earlier yeah yeah no, yeah exactly there you go you know um, but yeah I don't know I've kind of felt like these are these are rookie numbers I gotta push push my numbers up you yeah. know um, that, that, that's that's where I was uh, yeah. with it for sure Um news is it the golden globes do we have to talk about it hey look i mean in the end of the day there were some pretty good fucking lines out of that from some of the speeches eddie murphy fucking brilliant um uh yeah i mean it feels and the thing is with the will smith reference you know, so like uh, for those who don't know, I'm paraphrasing, but he said like he's learned three important rules in show business that he wants to give to other people: always pay your taxes, keep yourself to yourself, and take Will Smith's wife's name out of your fucking mouth. Um, which, which, which is great, and apparently he like he's friends with Chris Rock, and he's definitely more on the Chris Rock side. But what I think that says is that despite. I think that basically negates everything that Will Smith had, had tried to do on the Emancipation publicity tour. Yes. There's a, a there's a thing with Eddie Murphy in the fact that we're still waiting for him to have this big comeback, aren't we? It, there's, been a, I, there's been a few little kind of chinks that it it's might interesting. happen. Yeah. We're still waiting for like, him to have like the full big fucking... Like the the one where people look back and go, do you know what? This guy was a charisma machine in the fucking you know. If you think Will Smith and Will Smith was fucking charismatic as fuck mm-hmm. in the like mid night mid nineties, 
you need to go back and look at just how much of a fucking force uh, Eddie Murphy was. Do you know what I think would be a really interesting um, Netflix fucking special? Just Eddie Murphy watching Delirious and just chatting through basically almost like a now commentary from Eddie Murphy of him going back and watching that fucking stand-up because that thing is incredible. And it'd just be interesting to have him just looking at it and going, man, yeah, this was mental how fucking good I was. Uh, yeah, no, and I mean, it, it, I, I don't know. It, I don't think you people is going to be the thing that bring, brings Eddie Murphy back. But no. it's going to be interesting to see how Axel Foley does this year. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So, I mean, we, we had that. Um, I thought Kihi Kwan did a lovely speech. Yeah. Um, Colin Farrell's speech was good and him talking to Anna de Armas about how he cried himself to sleep the night he watched Blonde was odd. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, was he trying to shoot his shot? I'm pretty sure Colin, Colin Farrell was in a relationship. but um, Yeah, I think, he's, he, he, I think he's very much... He just... Do you know what he seems like? He seems like a guy who's just... He, he, he's very comfortable with being Colin Farrell now. And he's, that's pretty cool. And he's sincere as fuck. That's yeah. the thing. None of this looks uh, like staged. It just seems like, yeah, he's happy with his lot. And like the fact that he said to Martin McDonough, you know, like 15 years ago, you gave me this role and you basically set me on the path that I'm on. You know, I mean, that that's a lovely speech. The and, the, 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 the great line of it um, was him saying to, um, oh, fuck, never got my head. Barry Keegan about the crunchy nut cornflakes. No. Oh. <laughs> Even though that was pretty good. That was pretty good. But what's his name? Oh, fuck. Why can't I get his name up in my head? Brendan Gleeson. Brendan Gleeson. Shit, you know. Um, yet Biff's saying, you know, every day I just, you know, not even try to uh, be as good as you, but just keep up. <laughs> it's just, he's just, it, it, Farrell's doing some fucking great work in the past sort of decade now. Uh, it's been. Uh, and really interesting work and it's just nice seeing somebody who really seems to love the art of cinema and like when you see him talking about films that he's seen and bits like that he he just he's a guy who it could have all crashed and burned and it hasn't and there's a strong chance that he could end up winning an Academy Award this year and the industry will be very happy for him yeah I've watched both Banshee's been a Sheeran and Elvis over the last week, and I'll talk about them later. Um, I would be fine with Austin Butler winning in a way, but I would be disappointed that Colin Farrell is right there. Yeah, I, I, I do think it, I, I I've do not think seen the whale fun. yet. Yeah, but, yeah, I'm not. That is taking away from the whale. But what I, the general consensus from the whale seems to be very, very good performance mediocre movie yeah exactly and it kind of it does slightly feel like film twitter's favorite is brendan fraser but he's not necessarily the favorite the people are actually going to vote although fraser that's the weird thing fraser's very popular with around 60 or 70 percent of the people that are going to be voting and maybe not so popular with 30 percent of them (laughs) yeah yeah I i don't know i just Austin Butler's charismatic as fuck, and like his speech was all right, 
you know, but I just give Col- give Colin Farrell an Oscar. Yeah. 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 It, it? Just give Colin yeah. Farrell an Oscar. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, Banshees won Best Comedy Musical, uh, Fablemans won Best Motion Picture Drama and uh, Best Director. Uh, yeah, Kihi Kwan's got Supporting Actor locked up. Um, yes. and which is cool. That's yes. just lovely. Um, supporting actress. It seems like Angela Bassett's probably on course now, which I find a bit surprising. Um, but I'm not begrudging Angela Bassett winning. I suppose. No, and I, I, I've not seen Wakanda forever. I, I, yeah, it's. She's good. She's good. I bet she is because she's Angela Bassett. <laughs> yeah, and she is probably the emotional heart of the film. I just, I. It's, it just that film doesn't feel strong enough to me. It's on Disney Plus in a couple of weeks, um, and you know if if you like, assuming you guys actually get around to watching it at some point, maybe I'll then talk about what my thoughts on it were. But um, I, I don't, I didn't take away an awful lot from that film. But Angela Bassett was one person that I did. Um, the thing is, when it comes on, um, when it comes on to Disney Plus, I will watch it probably straight away. I just didn't have room for it in my cinema life yeah. which is yeah. odd <laughs> yeah and it's I don't know the thing is it's like Jamie Lee Curtis it would be cool for her to have an Oscar and she's being so supportive of like everybody involved in that film and that's very very cool to see but you look at that film in isolation I haven't rewatched it yet I'm going to before end of year show I just don't remember that performance being particularly she should be winning Best Supporting Actress at the Academy Awards for that. Like, yeah. you, you, you do that against Kerry Condon in The Banshees of Inner Sheeran. It's like, no, that's that that one. Yeah, that, that one. That, that, that's the standout Best Supporting um, Actress performance of the year for me. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, if Michelle Williams is, like, not competing in Best Supporting Actress, and do you know what happens when she doesn't do that? She doesn't get nominated for the SAG Awards. Yeah. Which is interesting. If Michelle Williams was in the Best Supporting Actress race, it would be an insanely done deal. But Michelle Williams said herself that essentially she didn't see it as a supporting performance. She saw it as a lead performance and so said, I'm going lead. And if that means that she now doesn't win an Oscar because she's not going to, that th- th- them's the breaks. But fair play to her for being true to what what she believed in. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, Kate Blanchett or Michelle Yeoh over Michelle Williams in the Fablemans every single fucking day of the week for me. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think I think that was broadly probably it from the Golden Globes. I think it's it's cemented Spielberg for director. It's helped the Fablemans don't think it's a done deal. I think no. Banshees could get in there if Everything Everywhere has a really good campaign, maybe that. I think it's a three-way race between the three. Um, I think it's going to be Banshees. It'd be interesting if it were. It'd be interesting if it were. Um, I've just got a feeling that, that that's just going to... That, it's just starting to pick up a little bit of pace. Yeah, let's let's see. Let's see. 
yeah okay but yeah there, there, there we are that's the uh that uh, that's the golden globes it, it, it you know it was a decent enough ceremony i just i like the fact that that's the one where they get all the big stars and the big stars drink <laughs> yeah, like mike it, it's tv but mike white accepting some sort of award for the white lotus and basically slagging all the people in the room saying we offered roles to all of you and you said no and look <laughs> it's fucking brilliant <laughs> oh fuck yeah it is the one where they all kind of drink yeah there's 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 merit to that I will say, though, we didn't talk about this, but very quickly, the BAFTAs, what they're doing this year, mm. um, they're going to have, like, the usual kind of, like, highlighty coverage, like, skipping things and going straight to the awards for the first parts. But then I think it's, like, the last half hour or hour is going to be broadcast live. Oh, live, live. Not like... Live, live. Not like with a 20-minute delay like they usually do when everyone no. goes, yeah, we know. <laughs> no, apparently live, live. Ooh. That's I mean, again, I don't see why they don't just do the whole thing live, live on iPlayer and then do something like that on BBC One. Yeah, it would they could sense. still quote the figures for both, but it's a step in the right direction. Yes, certainly. Yeah. And yeah. And the um, it, it's interesting as well. The BAFTA long list this year suddenly seems less random than it did last year. Because films have actually like come out in cinemas during the eligibility period. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it, 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 you're looking at it and going, "Oh yeah, I can see, I can see where that's come from." Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Anyway, there you go. News. Uh, trailers. There's been a couple, hasn't there? I've got two. I've got three. I watched a trailer for you people, uh, which I think you watched a couple of weeks ago. Oh, right? fine. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Um. Yeah, it, it 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 does look like it's a bit of a cringe fest. Um, I'm, I just, I don't know whether I'm going to like a single person in that movie apart from David Duchovny. <laughs> I'm very we'll see about that. If that film was in the cinema, I don't think I'd be bothering. If I'm just watching it on my telly, fine. Yeah, that's it. I think the I think I would watch that movie if I had like a weekday off and could go and see it at like eleven sure. in the morning. Sure. Yeah. You know, go and get a little bit of breakfast first. Um, then go and sit there going regretting how much breakfast I'd just eat and, and going, All right, fucking Eddie Murphy and fucking Johnny Hill, just make me laugh a little bit. I said, Oh man, it'd be a terrific day that I had a couple summers back now, where I went to see Space Jam a new legacy. And then I went to Tiny Rebel, and I had a couple of pints there. And then I went to the Forever Purge. <laughs> that's that's a fucking good day, that. You need to come to Cardiff. We need to hit Tiny Rebel and then go see some films or something. Oh, for, for fucking sure. Locked in this year at some point. Um, yeah. Right, the the biggie I'm going to leave to last. So, oh, I've got another. Th- I've got another three, actually. Oh, shit, all right. And I, I, th- I think you're going to have another three here. I think you've forgotten one. Mm. So, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania final trailer. Okay, that was one of my two. So, yeah. Yeah. It looks... It looks like it's going to be quite heavy. It looks like and it was I'm, shot in a cupboard in Georgia. It does look like it was shot in a cupboard in Georgia. It is grotesque how just hideous it looks. 
It, yeah, it looks like Ant-Man, but less fun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it, it is. It's, what if we take these fun little side mission movies, these Ant-Man movies, and we make them really fucking serious? <laughs> and it's just, I don't know I want that. There's a part of me that's a little bit like, is this one where a couple of characters say bye-bye to the MCU? Yeah. Does Evangeline Lilly make it through this film? Does fucking Paul Rudd make it through this film? Does Paul Rudd make it through this film? Yeah, excellent point. Excellent point. There's there's a bit, yeah, there's the, um, you can't win. There's a line where it's like, it doesn't matter, I don't have to win. We just both have to lose. I, yeah, yeah, um, let, let, yeah, let's see. I just, like, can we have, can we, can we have one of these movies, like you say, and I know it does feel like we're both banging a drum with this now, but we can have one of these movies where it looks like it, any of it was shot in a place. The thing, the thing is, there hasn't been that much Marvel lately that we've talked about and that's been nice. Yeah. And I feel like we're get we're we're maybe starting to get to a place where now enough other things are coming out where they're not necessarily as much of a burden. Hmm. And I think maybe Disney are maybe starting to realize maybe we need to pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, or just get better. <laughs> well, look, we'll see. I you know, I'm I'm still stunned that Peyton Reed isn't doing the Fantastic Four film, considering all he's wanted to do is a Fantastic Four film, and they've given it to the showrunner on WandaVision, um, which, which is bizarre. Um, I'm glad Peyton Reed's making money. I like Paul Rudd, Catherine Newton being in the MCU. I'm cool with that. It like if they're recasting that character as Catherine Newton, she's obviously being set up for future stuff and yeah. cool. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. I will watch this one. I will happily go to the cinema and watch this. I still haven't watched Black Adam. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I will happily go and watch this without question. And I, I, I am at the moment going, I think I might never watch Black Adam just because I don't need to. Now that I know... There's basically not going to be any further adventures of Black Adam. I'm more up for watching Black Adam. <laughs> That's fair. One um, and done, buddy. One and done. Renfield. What the fuck's the biggie? <laughs> it's the one that's freaked you out. What's the one that's freaked me out? No, we talked about that last week. Oh, no, we did. It only came out like a day ago. The fuck are we talking about there? We'll find out in a second. Renfield, what did you reckon? I feel like I've had a stroke. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I'm up for this. I mean, it, it it kind of has done kind of what you expect it to, this trailer. Nicolas Cage is Dracula. Maybe a little bit more actually going for vicious than expected. He's not necessarily playing it for laughs. Kind of respect that. Nicholas Holt and Aquafina in some sort of bizarre buddy comedy thing with Nicholas Cage as Dracula, uh, eat it up with a spoon. Yeah, I, I'm like that. I'm, I am very much like, do you know what? 
I, I'm up for a, a bit of a horror fucking mm. gothic comedy. Sorry, starring... I just tweaked what the other trailer is. Yeah, sorry, go on. Starring Nicholas Holt. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm just go for it. Fine, I'm, I'm, I am A-OK with that movie. I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's got fun 7 out of 10 written all over it. And that is kind of what I want from it. <laughs> and it's the Tomorrow War, dude. And... We both enjoyed the Tomorrow War far more than we were expecting to, if memory serves. Yeah, we did. It was it, it was good. It's a good movie. Yeah, yeah, good action as well. Yep, exactly. Um, Donna watched the trailer for this and was like, "Yes, we will go to the cinema and see this," which is fantastic. Yeah, that, so, that, 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 that that's a good night out. I yeah, I think like pizza and that. If Lots was a few years older, it'd be like, let's get Lots along as well. You know, it... it, it... Yeah. Yeah. Really, yeah. really looking forward to Renfield, actually. Look, yeah, it looks that's, like a great that, deal of fun. That's going to be a good date night movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight up. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so... Bowie's afraid. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's a lot, isn't it, that trailer? So, the thing is, right... This film... No one who has less than a passing interest in films is going to watch it. Nope. No, no one. No one. Nope. Um, A24 have put in what is apparently their biggest budget ever on a film which is absolutely designed for people who are online too much. Yep. Um, but the thing is... I watched it the first time. I was like, I don't think I'll ever watch that. It's three hours long. No. I've watched the trailer twice since. And it's just like, do you know what? Actually, it looks like Ari Aster is going for something. I'm annoyed that it's three hours long. But let's let's give it a crack. I What? Joaquin Phoenix is miseried in a house by Nathan Lane. Yep. And Parker Posey's there. Sure. Go on then. <laughs> I, it's going to lose the thing is, $11 billion. I mean, what is the budget on it? I want to say it's like between 60 and 80. Yeah, it's just how. <laughs> That's it. It's just, I don't get it, but fuck it. Uh, you know, I'm glad he's making an outright comedy and admitting that he's a comedy director. <laughs> and the thing, it comes out in April. So it will premiere at what? South by Southwest. Yes. So the thing is, they are maybe going for a bit, not maybe not necessarily mainstream, but not this is arty and weighty. Hmm. It this is gonna have have to have really good reviews and probably some sort of memeable social media stuff like this will need to do a bit of a mafregan yes. in terms of capturing the public consciousness if it's got any chance of making money. I mean, just bit of news. Uh, mafregan was projected to do about seventeen million, ended up doing just over thirty. Congratulations, mafregan Yep. Uh, what a treat. Makes me feel better about Avatar that a film like that can still come out and do well. 
So yeah, um, but yeah, this it it yeah it, it, coming out in April. They're obviously expecting zero awards stuff. You know, like they could have had it at Cannes and then just come out in late May or June, and then you could have had some Cannes buzz about it. They haven't done that. That strikes me as interesting. Yeah, it's fuck it. I'm I, I, I'm up for it. I I liked Hereditary in the sense that I think it is it it's fun. <laughs> I'm going to say right now, Mark. Yep. Jord has offered to come on. Yep. Let's do an Asterathon. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm very much up for that. Um, a Midsummer, I, I, I still fucking maintain there is no fucking way that that movie isn't a comedy. Okay, so we're going to do Hereditary. We're going to do the director's cut of Midsummer. Yep. Yeah, and we'll do Bo is Afraid. I'm giving Becky an optional out here because <laughs> she's not on this call and Jord has said that he will join. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. She might want to go for it. She might not. <laughs> she uh, really did not like Midsummer. I slightly feel like at the moment I know your wife better than you do. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's, it's probable. <laughs> 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 oh dear. We'll, we'll do our first main review of um, a movie that only me and Ian have watched The Enforcer right so it is written by Peter Lith and directed by person. Richard Hughes not a real person <laughs> none of which are real people it does however star Antonio Banderas Kate Bosworth and a collection of Bosworth wigs and two chains is also there. And amazingly, fucking Danny Trejo isn't for some reason. He must mm. have been really, really fucking busy. He played uh, one of the tree the tree that Antonio Banderas lies against. <laughs> that, that that explains a lot. Um, right. This is what IMDB says the plot is. <laughs> An enforcer has to sacrifice everything to save a young girl he is befriended from his theme, uh, fem- free from, from his femme fatale boss who is involved in cyber sex trafficking. Kind of. <laughs> to an extent she is, yes. Yeah. Um. Ooh. So, Antonio Banderas plays a guy called Kuda, and he, he he's teamed up with a guy called Stray, who yep. is a... A, a street fighting bare knuckle boxer uh, badass that literally looks like he would cry at TV commercials. He looks like the producer's son who's into MMA. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, man. That that is not a tough looking man. What did you think of the Enforcer? I mean, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but did I designate Mind Cage as a rating for its attached shelter film? Uh, uh, yes. Yeah, because I think I'm gonna spoiler alert. I'm giving this a Mind Cage. Right. So basically, the reason why we knew of this film's existence is because last week I looked at the cinema listings at my local Cineworld and Odeon, as I do every Monday afternoon, as a little treat to myself, and I saw 
the Enforcer with a poster of Antonio Banderas with a gun. And all I'm thinking is, what the fuck's this? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it is... Antonio Banderas maybe makes it better than it should be. Probably. Because he's Antonio Banderas and I like watching him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. <sighs> the, thing, the thing is, the, the thing about this movie is that the story's crap. <laughs> like, it's it's a really crap story. Um, That's not nice. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, but it is a crap story. Um, the acting, even Banderas is acting, is is not great. It is it is Banderas on like minimal effort. Yeah, uh, there. It's just I'd be he, disappointed if it was more. <laughs> yeah, he's just talking really slowly, like Antonio Banderas does. Hmm. And good at that a yeah. lot. Yeah. Apart from one bit where he gets really pissed off and shoots a guy in the thigh, which did seem a tad excessive, mm-hmm. but was also quite cool. I will say this though: there's some nice-looking stills of shots within it. Yeah, yeah. There's some nice composite shots. It it's it looks like a film. It looks like a film. It looks like a film directed by a commercial director. And Richard Hughes is a commercials director. There's nothing bad about that. David Fincher basically says, I have made more money out of directing commercials than I will ever make out of directing feature films. Sure. Uh, And very much like, that is my job, was to direct commercials. And now, because I was very successful at it, I get to direct movies. And the look, the film feels like it feels like, I want to be clear, it was financed by a bunch of cyber sex traffickers. Yep. Who were just like, let's write something. We need to launder some money. How do we do that? Let's write an action film about cyber sex traffickers. And get Antonio Banderas to star in it. That that's what this film feels like. It you know it, it's just direct. It, it's direct to video. Okay, so October twenty twenty, COVID, COVID, COVID. Cinemas are kind of open, and I go and watch Honest Thief starring Liam Neeson in the cinema. And there is so little out that in my local showcase, it's playing in their premium screen with Dolby Atmos. Honest Thief starring Liam Neeson. This feels like a film that would be playing in cinemas at that point. It feels like a film that 10 years ago would be playing in cinemas pretty regularly. It's almost a throwback that this film is playing in cinemas now, but fair play to the, to the distributor because they were probably like, there's fuck all out at the moment. Let's just get this out there and see what we can do. And I think it made something like 60 grand. Mm. That distributor probably eked out making money on this film's release. Actually, let me let me see what it, what it made. 
Um, but, you know, they probably did okay putting it out in cinemas. And then, you know, it at least the film has that cachet when it comes out on VOD and it's a DVD in Asda that it was a film that was in cinemas, which yeah. is being shown to be quite a valuable thing to be calling a film at the moment. Yeah. Um, and yeah, let me just... Uh, oh, fuck. Uh, come on, the enforcer, the enforcer, the enforcer. Uh, £71,878. That's not bad. You know, Vertigo released it. I bet they didn't pay too much for the distribution rights to it. And they made seventy grand. You know, like that's 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 fine. You know, for this for this direct to video ass film, that's that's fine. Um, and it's not absolute dog shit. Like we no. say, it look it looks decent. It does. That, that that's an odd thing about it. It it it, it looks decent. It's a well shot. And well lit, boring film. <laughs> it is boring. It is boring. Yeah, and, and Mojin Aria, the um, Australian guy who plays Stray, is is just not very good. <laughs> Stray, he feels like a relation of a of a. It, it it feels like someone who was like, I will give you, I will find, give you half a million dollars if you let my son be in this. Yeah, it it, it does. I mean, Richard Hughes, the guy who's directing it, is currently in pre-production on his next movie, which is called Punk, which is a road trip movie starring Cara Delevingne and Machine Gun Kelly. What? So what is he just directed like music videos for the these people like maybe an ad for, with Cara Delevingne a music a Machine Gun Kelly music video or something like that? It must be something like that, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, look, it's it's shit. It's not ang- shit. I'm angry about it. It was short enough that I won't be angry about it. Yes. Um, although it is, um, it's one of those, uh, it's one of those 90 minute movies that does feel a little bit like it takes about four hours. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And uh, you know, Kate Bosworth is hamming it up. Oh, she's having a great time. Yeah. She knows, she knows what she's in. Um, one of our ex Lois Lane's. Is now doing the Enforcer. Yep. You remember when Kate Bosworth was Lois Lane? That was weird. It was a weird time, wasn't it? Kate Bosworth was a weird time. <laughs> Kate Bosworth and Brandon Ralph had a baby, and James Marsden was her boyfriend in a Superman film. Yep. That happened. Apparently. <laughs> Parker Posey was Kevin Spacey's like bit on the side. Henchwoman. I feel like we don't talk about that movie enough. Nobody. <laughs> I feel like I'm uh, talking about Voldemort. <laughs> fucking hell. Superman Returns. Yeah, fucking hell. Yeah, Frank Langella was in that as well. 
Oh, fuck me. He was Perry White, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Wow. <laughs> if that wasn't two and a half hours long, I, I, I would be tempted to actually give that a rewatch. <laughs> I just... God. Brian Singer, so cursed. Yeah. I like... Uh, yeah, fuck it. What, so, what, what, what are you on this movie? I'm sh- it's shit. <laughs> hey, look. I mean, I'm Mind Cage. Like, it, it's... Some it's, sort it's, of write-off. It's without... Yes. It's without question a tax write-off. Um, but yeah, what is our... Wow. Definitely not shit 25%. Touching cloth 25%. And shit 50%. That's the producers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, right. CS3P Combat. Player one. Choose your character. Tired of film and television podcasts where the hosts exist in a blissful state of agreement? Player two, choose your character. While you're in luck. Hunter. Round one, fight! Allow me to introduce you to the Chinstroker vs. Punter podcast, featuring two film and television fans from Birmingham, England, who enjoy their media in very different ways. <laughs> but anyway, that brings us to the end of the plot of Blue Velvet. The plot. I mean, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. <laughs> so join us as we catch up on what we've been watching from our own very different perspectives. Double KO. Round two. Fight. You can find us at csvsp.libson.com, also on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all the places that podcasts can be found. Just really, it's isn't. not visually striking. No, I just just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time though. I mean, am I, is this on? Let's do some what we've been watching. Oh fuck me! Let's all right, strap in, ladies and gentlemen. Do, do we do we want to maybe like? Swap between ourselves or something like that. Yeah, here. you do one and I'll do one. Yeah. Oh shit! One one. I like that. Yeah, that's cool. All right. All right. All right. All right. Um. Okay. Uh. All right. How... <laughs> I, there's one I'm going to talk about <laughs> in a minute, and I actually need to get up my Plex on what is it? Because the the synopsis on Plex, I'm going to read to you before I tell you what the movie is, because I think you'll be like. This sounds like your perfect movie. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So, I'll I, I tell you what. I'm going to be a little bit cheeky. I'm going to do two for, well, to start with because they're both Harry Potter films. That's fine. You, you you could get away with that. Yeah. So, the the rest of it is like uh, end of year catch up or rewatch kind of stuff. So, I'll do these. So, uh, continuing our Harry Potter watches. Lottie is watching these films for the first time. We watched Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. So, um... Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire is two hours, 37 minutes long. And that cheeky little monkey uh, at a quarter past eight on Friday evening said, can we watch Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire? Knowing full well that it's because it was really long and she'd get a late bedtime. Um, (laughs) Well played. I I called her on it and I was like, yeah, that's absolutely fine, lots. But if you do that, you are sitting down, you are watching it. You are not getting on your roller skates and rolling up and down the living room. You are watching Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. And fair play to her, she did. I'm digging that she's liking these Harry Potter movies, though. Dude, she's in. She's fucking in. Um, And, I mean, that's, you know, 
it's wonderful. The tide is turning slightly on her watching films, and I love to see it. So, uh, yeah, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Um, I, 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 yeah, I like this. Um, uh, like production value up the wazoo. I think it still looks looks great. Um, the like they're kind of like this tempestuous relationship between them all is is getting a bit more so like ron is actively pissed off with harry for large parts of this first time you've seen that works quite well they're all starting to get feelings in their balls and whatnot and uh it's like fun seeing the um like adolescent drama of all of that like lottie was quite like both Ew, but also intrigued, uh, which is, you know, is quite sweet to see. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, it's it, that, 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 it, this one is propulsive. It doesn't feel its length. Um, you know, you got this goblet of the like, fire tournament thing, so you've got like stages of the film, but this kind of like fret building all the way through it. And then, hey, there's stakes in this, you know. It's something the MCU often gets chided for is the fact that like people die, but do they ever really die? Yeah. Um, and in this, it's like, hey, they introduce Robert Pattinson in this. He plays quite a large part. He's a good character. He becomes genuinely friendly with Harry, and then he just gets fucking killed off in one spell. There's no build up to it or anything. It's just like agrabadabada, and he's done. And it's like, fuck, wow. And these films take a turn. So I like this one. Order of the Phoenix is 20 minutes shorter and feels 20 minutes longer. Um, Order of the Phoenix is the first one where it is a little bit, are we starting to just tread on water a little bit? Ah, is it the start of that? Yeah. There's a... So Imelda Staunton plays like uh, uh, Dolores Umbridge, who is a representative of the Ministry of Magic, who uh, they believe basically they're trying to quell the uh, suspicion that Voldemort is back. Um, She raises up the ranks of Hogwarts and basically tries to make it this fascistic kids reporting on kids kind of like um, totalitarian state. Um, which is a good kind of like individual arc for the film. But at the same time, the what actually happens in terms of the overall narrative is quite small in this film. We go from Harry saying Voldemort's back to by the end of the film, people realising, oh yeah, Voldemort's actually back. And it takes two hours, 20 minutes that feel like three hours. Uh, just that little too much of a drag. Yeah, it's it's the I I still like it. Don't get me wrong. Really, really good production design. The Ministry of Magic looks fantastic. Um, and um, again, the interpersonal relationships are good. Emma Watson is noticeably getting better as well. Um, like they they've done obviously done some work on her performance and it shows. Yeah, um, she's she's ropey. I mean, they all are a bit ropey in the first ones, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are. And I mean, like Rupert Grint, ever so slightly stays one note, but it's kind of what Ron is in a way. Um, ha- uh, Daniel Radcliffe gets better earlier, but Emma Watson is start is stepping up. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, 
it, it's it's fine. I, I you know, it, it it it's 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 fine, and I I'm enjoying watching them with Lottie. I'm sure we will do the Half Blood Prince this weekend at some point. So, nice. yeah, uh, I'll throw it over to you. All right, I'll do the I'll do the one that I teased at earlier. Um, so this is what this is what on the on Plex um, said about it. Desire torment a former cultist taking refuge at the home of a scantily clad woman whose husband is away. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, isn't that just a brilliant sentence? What? what so what's what's that then? The Passion of Darkly Noon. <laughs> oh shit! The Fraser film. Yeah, the yeah the Philip Ridley one. Yeah, um, all right, nice. And the scantily clad woman is Ashley Judd. Um, a oh is shit, Ashley Judd. Yeah. Oh shit. So yeah, it, it's 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 very much um, a, a, a a mark film. This um, that Darkly Noon's got a shitload of passion. I'm sure it fucking does. Yeah, um, and literally it is. Brendan Fraser plays Darkly Noon. Mm. Um, that's that's the, that's his name <laughs> in it. Um, it's also got Grace uh, Zabriskie in it, so you can tell that it's fucking bonkers. Mm. Um, and a massive floating shoe. Sweet. Oh, this film is, yeah, it's... It's out of Ridley's three movies, I believe it is. Reflective Skin, This, and Heartless. Um, it's probably the most bonkers, but it's not like... like it's not bonkers, bonkers. It's more. I do not like using this phrase, but it is probably the most apt. It is quite Lynchian um, in its in its take. So Brendan Fraser plays a, a a character who's grown up in a religious um, cult run by his parents. So he's deeply religious, but he's ran away after uh, the authorities raided the compound and killed everybody and he's managed to survive um, but he's found um, by this guy who's going to deliver things to um, Ashley Judd's character Viggo Mortensen is also in this but plays a completely mute character <laughs> he plays her husband um, who is just, he's mute <laughs> doesn't talk at all um, and it's just about her kind of liking having Darkly around um, and Darkly falling for her, her knowing that she's fallen uh, for him, for, for her, but her saying, look, I'm, I'm married, but I'd like to be friends, and him going slightly fucking crazy about the fact that he is in love with this woman who is incredibly suggestive with him, but is just friends with him. And it's just this oddity that is all happening. And then, like I say, you do, you just get a big old floating fucking shoe, big sparkly shoe that just randomly appears. And it's quite magnificent when it does. And then, yeah, you get Brandon Fraser's character goes batshit at the end. And it's quite something. It's it's a heck of a thing is Dark is Passion of Darkly Noon and it is 
bonkers, but incredibly um, engaging. And just, you kind of just try to work it out and work out what is going on. Like, what the film is trying to say, if it is even trying to say anything at all, or if it is just a a story that's there and then the rest of it is just just these really fucking visceral images sort of bounced around it. It's, yeah, it's not one that I say people, everyone should, should just fucking see, but it's a really interesting film that doesn't ever seem to get spoken about, really. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's fun, but also... A bit fucking mad. <laughs> Sounds it nice. Yeah, um, and it's it's not it's only like it's maybe ninety five minutes before credits. No, oh, I'll do. Yeah, it is, but it's yeah, very very good, very much enjoyed. Great fucking score as well uh, by Nick uh, Bicat. Uh, yeah, I I very much like reflective skin. I enjoyed Heartless, but Passion of Darkly Noon is without question Philip Ridley's best film. Nice. Uh, go on, what's your next one? Uh, um, okay, so uh, re-watch I did the Banshees of Inishirin. Um And uh, yeah, I... I'll be honest, it slightly, 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 slightly went down for me on a rewatch. Um, just because um, I think, uh, uh, like, tonally, I, I, I just... it. W- I think it could have been a bit more of a graceful switch from dark comedy to just, wow, this is bleak as fuck. And I... I get that maybe that that's intentional, but it doesn't vibe with me as strong as I'd maybe like it to. I'll never watch it again, I think. Um, Because it is just like that last third is so lacking in any kind of hope, apart from the fact that Kelly Condon's character, Kerry Condon's character just is able to escape. Um, she, she, She manages to get the fuck out. But, but like the it, the, the fool of Colin Farrell's character, yeah, it, it it's the she she can't be asked with this fucking bullshit, so she's getting the fuck out. Otherwise, this bullshit's going to kill her. But it's like literally the first shot of Colin Farrell. He's smiling, and there's a fucking rainbow behind him. Yep, and, and then, then just yeah, and then the end of it, yeah, he's. It's a. The more I think about it, it's a fucking heck of a thing that film. It 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 is. It is. Um, but it it just I. Like I say, I think maybe the shift could have just been a, a been a bit more gentle. I don't know. It's like it's like and Barry Keegan's character being like found washed up dead at, like towards the end. I I I'm just a bit like, did that really need to happen? That we're just we're just gonna go that bleak. And the thing is, it like people like arguing. Yes, it did. I'm not gonna argue that much. It's just like for me, 
how I'm wired. Nah, like I, I just, I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel it. It doesn't click for me. Yeah, I can get that. I can see your point. Colin Farrell is like really, really brilliant in this. Like he is great, and and Gleason is terrific as a supporting performance. But yeah. fair play, it, it it is Farrell's film. You are watching a change in a man. Yeah, the the speech that he gives where he calls him out in the pub. Um, and he's talking when, he, when he's talking about music and things like that, and saying all these things to remember. And he's like, "Well, I don't fucking know that. I don't, I don't know Mozart." And he, he, he you know, and he, he, he calls Beethoven Beethoven or something like that, don't they? But then he, he that little speech where he's where he gives that he has like a quite short monologue there. But that's the bit where he drops in. You know, is this your new friend now? A guy who beats his kid uh, every other night when he's not fiddling with him. The way that Farrell just fucking drops that, yeah. And the way that script-wise, McDonough just fucking just drops that. It's a holy shit moment. Yeah, and it's it 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 influences just that one line there influences so much that goes on in the film later on. But it's the way that McDonough can so so beautifully just. Essentially, slap you around the face uh, with things. He does it. He does it in different ways. He does it in three billboards where you're kind of watching it and it's bouncing along, and then all of a sudden, fucking Woody Harrelson shoots himself. You're like, "What the shit?" Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 it's just like I have become softer in in my years and like my predilection for horror has gone down and things like that you know and it's just like i mean god if the dog fucking died as well i i almost feel like mcdonough was just like yeah even i can't do that yeah yeah and it, 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 there was yeah there, there was yeah there was that because there was the worry that he might kill the dog <laughs> Like because... the Jenny the the Jenny the donkey bit, the bit where Colin Farrell is walking up to her and knows what's happened. I skipped it. I just I I, I don't I don't need that. Like it's horrible. It's yep. heart. It's so fucking heartbreaking. And and by the end, you know, you've got a guy who just wanted to live his life and be happy, and his life's ruined. And this other guy who wanted to create something as foolish as that may be and now he can't because he doesn't have any fucking fingers on his hand and it, it it's just such a and obviously with the whole kind of like the um the civil war happening and like the whole like good luck to those players i don't know what they're fighting about but i hope they sort it out or whatever it is i yeah. get it you know i get it but it doesn't mean that i necessarily have to like it yeah it, i can't just... It's it, is it just a little bit too fucking nihilistic for you? Yeah, it is, and I admire... which is fine, which is perfectly. That's, yeah, I, I yeah. genuinely want to stress that I do not mean that as a criticism. No, 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 and no, I, I no, I know, and the thing I, I don't mean it as a criticism for people who, who who are into it, but it's like it's not going to be in my top ten because it's my top ten. Yeah, but I it is one of the best films of the year. And if it won the Oscar for Best Picture, I I think that would be a heck of a thing. Um, 
and I know it's going to be appearing on other lists, and I'm 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 glad to see it. Uh, I, I it just yeah, I I don't need to spend my time watching that again. Even though I mean, Colin Farrell is really is terrific, and Kerry, uh, they all are, they all are. So yeah. like, I mean, I, I think Kerry Condon does some terrific work reacting against other people as well. <laughs> you know, um. But also, you've got Colin Farrell bursting into Brendan Gleeson's house and going, you're right, fatty, dancing with your dog, are you? <laughs> uh, I just I want to see them be friends. <laughs> that's yeah. all it is. That's <laughs> it. But, uh, but I think that's the, that's the point. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, um, yeah, hey, look, it's a nine out of ten for me. That's pretty fucking good. Yeah. So, I threatened to watch this the other day, and I have actually watched it now. <laughs> um, I've, I've, I've rewatched the 1992 Aladdin. Um, to just, oh, nice. Yeah, just to sort of see, and see like, right, well, was I being a little bit harsh on uh, Guy Ritchie's Aladdin, saying that it lacked kind of energy? Um, no, I wasn't. Um, the nineteen ninety two animated Aladdin just makes more sense. This film makes more sense being a an animated movie, and it is a very different. And this isn't a criticism of Garicci, but Garicci has done a a different version of it. But the thing is, the bit that makes Aladdin this version of it, as good as it is and as fun as it is and as energetic as it is, isn't... I mean, it is largely down to Robin Williams as the genie who is just incredible. It is a... You know, if if you could give... Um, if you could give voice performances like fucking awards... Or they ever got nominated for anything? This is this is it because Robin Williams is just fantastic in this. But it's actually it's Iago and Abu are two great characters in this. They're fun characters. They they add great moments of of essentially physical comedy. Uh, and you know, it, from Abu, of Iago has some great lines within it. Uh, but they're not. They don't really exist in the live-action version of it. They're just there, but they don't really do anything. And it, it definitely lacks from that because this is such because they are such big characters within this um, story that to have them do it, you've got the genie is having to do too much heavy lifting, and it, it can't quite pull it off. Um, but I, I very much enjoyed my time watching it. And also, well, it helps that it's like 85 minutes before credits. Yeah. It is fucking quick, this movie. It flies by like a motherfucker. Looks great on Disney Plus because it's in the. Um, it's in 4K. And um, yeah, it's in. I think I'm fairly certain it's in Atmos as well. Um, so. Yeah, really enjoyed my rewatch of of, of Aladdin. Um, glad that I I watched it again. Nice, good. 
Uh, okay, so my next one will be a rewatch of Elvis. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Elvis. Um, I kind of, I think the only reason why I watched, rewatched it is because I picked up the blue and a sale a few weeks back. Because I didn't think it was going to be bothering my top ten or anything like that, but um, uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I really like Austin Butler in it. Um, I think he actually like really convincingly plays that twenty twenty five year span of Elvis like very well, um, which, which isn't nothing for sure, and the a conflict between what he wants to do and being trapped by the Colonel. I think it, I, I think is well done. Uh, I think I, I think I said it when we originally reviewed it. I I prefer the film when it calms down a bit. Um, yes. The that that first forty five minutes to an hour is too much, um, and the way that it is framed as being Colonel Tom Parker's story and the way he's saying like basically Elvis died because he enjoyed the love of you the fans too much feels like a misstep. Um, also, Tom Hanks maybe isn't as bad as I kind of remembered him. Like that opening where it's him going through that casino and it basically seeming like he's like Mike Myers doing a role. Um, it is is too much. Um, but I I I, I like Elvis. Um, I I I feel it's sincere. I think it's made from. Uh, a place of people who love the music and genuinely love the man um and uh yeah i mean it'll probably be a fair while until i watch elvis again um that that runtime is punishing um and it's annoying that the stuff that i like is more towards the back end than the front end um but yeah i i i, I think on rewatch i said four out of five first time i say four out of five this time um, I I like it. Um, I'm a little surprised it's getting the kind of awards attention that it is, but it did make a lot of money. I think there is a place for that at the moment. Um, and Austin Butler, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be pissed off if he wins the Oscar, but I would be a little bit like I I think I said it earlier on actually. Um, Colin Farrell's right there. That's Elvis. Yes. Right. Uh, we watched a film. Are we, I'm not sure. I think that's my first time watching it. Um, Silver Bullet, which is based on the Stephen King novella Cycle of the Werewolf. Um, and they, I mean, this stars like Gary Busey, Everett McGill, and Corey Haim are in this one. Um, it's. I mean, it is about. Yeah. It, the thing is. It's one of those Stephen King ones <laughs> that was made in like the mid eighties, and it's not that great. Um, I know Bex enjoyed it, but Bex enjoyed it because it's a Stephen King one. Whereas I was a little bit like, yeah, this might be a little bit not quite. I'm not quite tuned into this one as much. Um, so yeah, I didn't. It, it, it's all right. But I think it's it's definitely one for the hardcore fans. <laughs> mm. Okay, so bullet. Um, I feel bad now. I feel like I'm talking more. Um, and the thing is, I've got things to talk about with the rest of them. 
I don't know. I, uh, I, 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 I I how, many, how many more have you actually got then? I've got I've got three more, but these but the two of them are ones I will definitely talk about more. Because I, got... I have a controversial opinion on one of them, which is a classic. Okay, I've got four more and four that I'm likely to talk a bit on at least. So why don't you do another? All right, I'll do. So I watched rewatch Source Code. Um, oh, nice. We kind of wanted to rewatch it um, for a while, and then Becky suggested it. Um, and at first, it's like, oh, no, I don't really fancy it. And I thought, I, I, I enjoyed Source Code. It's like a 90 odd minute movie, and it's, you know, made by a filmmaker I like. It's got an actor in it I really like, and I like the film. I need to stop putting it off because <laughs> there's no reason to put it off at all. Um, and then, so I, I, I rewatched it, and yeah, Source Code's a really good film. Why are people? Why don't? Why don't more people talk about Source Code as like one of the sort of great genre picks of the past sort of fifteen years or so? I, mean, I was gonna say decade then, but it was it's it's over a decade old, actually. Um, but it's a really like high concept, but small sort of scale in terms of the location. You've got a very small cast. Um, it's predominantly set um, in three places. And it kind of just keeps on bipping about and you, you're piecing more of it together and the actual the main the, the actual main story of the film isn't actually what you think it's gonna be. So it isn't about him having to discover the bomb on the uh, on the train isn't actually the main story. It's what the fuck is going on with him. And he finds the bomb like a lot earlier <laughs> in it than I thought he did. Like it's, a, it's like halfway through and he finds the fucking bomb and he locks that down and he sorted that. And then it's no, it, the rest of the film is him going, no, what the fuck is going on now? Um, but I had a, had a good time re-watching Source Code and the end reveal of, of, of it is still quite a... Oh fucking hell! It's not a such a, it's not such a twist or anything like that because you kind of have worked out all right, and it, it, the film basically tells you, look, he's he's dead, for all intents and purposes. But it's the, it, it it's the fact that you've got, um, Vera Farminger uh, is essentially a fellow soldier to Jake Gyllenhaal, whereas Jeffrey Wright is just a scientist who just sees him as a a program he can use. Mm. Um, and Jeff Wright plays that really well. And it, he also plays it well as in the sense of, it's not even a program that he can use as the pure fucking scientist. It's the, he's a program I can use to make me look better. I will get glory because of this thing. Because not of this thing that I've done, this program that I've created... And the fact that we've that this guy has managed to make it work, um, it's it's quite it, it, it's a, it, it, there's definitely a a story in there of, of you know the almost like you've got the he's the the pure kind of bureaucrat who is trading off essentially the misery of others. Sounds like a more complex film than I give that credit for. That's it, but actually, Beck said that, 
after it, um, after we watched it, she said um, that it, it, it that there's a lot more to it than than either of us remembered. And I was the same. I was like, yeah, it, there is actually. It's a lot. There's a lot more under the hood in that movie. There's a lot more going on that isn't just a pure high concept um, story and visuals to it. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, oh God, it's been years since I've seen Source Code. It's um, good, I, I like to say, 90 minutes. 90 fucking minutes. Yeah, you can't argue with that, can you? No. That's that, that's that's the right biscuits. Um, okay. I will talk about... Oh, fuck it. I'm just going to do this because it's going to be the least positive I am. <laughs> so I caught up with After Sun. Um, George, just skip forward five minutes. Um, so, After Sun. Uh, very, very well-reviewed film. Uh, Paul Meskell, everybody seems to love him. He's the new Gladiator in Gladiator 2. And uh, uh, there we are. Um, it's on movie now. Uh, I've been ragging movie of late, which has been fun. Um, and uh, yeah, so this is Paul Meskel and uh, newcomer Frankie Corco, I think her name is. Um, is that her name? Corio. Frankie Corio. And uh, I mean, I've got the movie page up here. At a fading vacation resort, 11-year-old Sophie treasures rare time together with her loving and idealistic father, Callum. I'm not going to read the next line because it's actually a spoiler. Um, so, uh, this is basically like a week of these two on holiday in Turkey. Um, and then every now and then you get uh, her grown up at a club with strobe lighting, seeing her dad dancing. Um, uh, so essentially this is a film I did, I, I, I didn't care much for After Sun. I don't think it's, I don't think it's awful by any means. Uh, Frankie Corco is amazing. Really, really good lived in child performance. You just believe that she is this kid on holiday talking into a, a 90s uh, handheld video camera and living a life of a kid at a holiday resort for a week. She's very, very, very good. Paul Meskel is a depressed dad who sometimes is up for things, sometimes he's not. And he's dealing with shit. And it's that for an hour and a half. Um, and a lot of people have seen an awful lot of insight in that and a lot of subtlety in his performance. Um, and, you know, she is, I, I think she's nine in this film. My daughter is nine. So this may well be my subjective stuff coming in, in into it here. Um, but I felt like that there were some things in this film that would not play out in the way that they did in terms of both what he's doing, but also how other people around are reacting to the situation. Um, 
it felt like uh, writer director um, uh, Charlotte Wells. Um, oh God, yeah, uh, Charlotte Wells was having a bit of a therapy session. Um, I think it's got moments. I also think it's got music choices that if this film was not this film, people would be saying, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, they're a bit on the nose. Mate, it's spoilery, but there are lyrics in a song at the end, which are, this is what's happening, this is that, um, which are, I I, I think, uh, a little bit embarrassing, in all honesty. But if you were swept up in it, I could get how it could be more evocative. But for someone who's not swept up in it, I am. Are you fucking kidding? Um, it's, it's, it's in a lot. So I'm going to get to it, but I, I must admit I'm a little bit like, all right, let's see what this is about, rather than can't wait to see it. But it, it's, it's in a lot of like, it's the Guardian's number one film of the year. Yeah, hey, yeah. It's a lot of people's number one film of the year. You know, and I think a lot of people are going to be annoyed when Paul Meskell doesn't get nominated for Best Actor at the Oscars, but he was never going to get nominated for the Best Actor at the Oscars. No. And I'm not saying that that's right or that's wrong. It's just not... It's this film... Movies don't like this, sadly, don't. Yeah, don't, it's just, it, it, but don't, yeah. you know, what is it? I mean, where was the last one like that that got nominated? Was it Gosling for Half Nelson? Like, sure, yeah. What, 16 years ago? Sure, yeah, exactly. It, you know, um, um, Blur's Tender plays a part in it at one point, and there's a lyric in it about halfway through the film, and there's lyrics in that that's like, yeah, this is what's happening on screen as well. And it, it just it, it honestly I I don't know. I don't want to assume what other people think and I know that George really, really likes this and that, that it one of the most genuine people I've ever met in my fucking life, if not the most, is Jordan McGrath. So it you know but it just if it wasn't this film with that actor in it I kind of feel like people would be a bit more really about it. And uh, 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 yeah, hey, that's my opinion. Take it for what it is. Call me a fucking idiot. Um, I think it's a very overrated film, and I was really disappointed. I will be getting to it. I, I uh, yeah, the next couple of weeks. I, I, I honestly, I'd love to hear you guys' opinion on it. Um. Noel wasn't... I'm talking about those guys a lot, but it's just because we talk a lot. He wasn't that into it either. And there are pockets of people who aren't feeling it, but there's a lot of people who are. Um, But I will just say, as the father to a nine-year-old girl, who I have my ups, I have my downs, I didn't feel it. But also, the film's not from my uh, from the dad's perspective; it's from the daughter's perspective. Um, made me feel better about my parenting. <laughs> Mark. Uh, so I rewatched This Boy's Life. Um, a nice. movie that I've not watched for quite a while, that I first watched on Laserdisc um, a vast number of years ago. Uh, I mean, this film is literally 30 years old this year, which is bonkers. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I rewatched this, and it's a. I 
mean, for anyone who doesn't know, it, it, it's the it's a self autobiographical story from Tobias Wolf about his uh, his early life and teens, essentially when his mother married a uh, a mechanic from a small rural um, American town. Uh, played by Robert De Niro, who seemingly seems like he's just like a nice guy until um, Tobias and um, Ellen Barkin, who plays his mum, move in with um, De Niro and his three kids that they find out that actually he is a abusive piece of shit. Um, And he's... De Niro plays it fantastic because he's he's not playing it as a just like a, a, as a, a, an abusive piece of shit. It's as a vindictive and kind of snivelly um, abusive piece of shit who's angry at life because he he has an elevated opinion of himself, but he's actually a bit shit. <laughs> you know, he's not that. He's not the hot shit that he likes to think he is. Um, hmm. That's there, and De Niro plays that very, very well. And it, it's always sort of interesting going back and watching these, these sort of early DiCaprio roles, where you know he was essentially he was catching so much attention. Um, and you know, it's I think this is actually you know this is pre um, sort of Titanic and Romeo and Juliet, and it's around sort of like I think it's even I think it even predates uh, what's it even Gilbert Grape, which was the the year after, which I'm fairly certainly got nominated for a Best Supporting Actor for. Um, but yeah, you've got people like um, a young Carla Gugino is in there, a young Eliza Dushku is in there as well, and Toby Maguire um, crops up, um, which I think was the film that they met on and now have a long, you know, standing sort of friendship. Uh, it's it's very good, but it's very much of the, the ilk of... There was like a lot of these um, like biopics being made in the the sort of early nineties about you know people that you that necessarily you might not have heard of that weren't household names but got biopics that you know that starred sort of big stars you know in De Niro and Ellen Barkey was a big star at the time and, you know I think you've got like around the same time. Um, Tommy Lee Jones was in a Ty Cobb biopic. Um, just a couple of years later, you got um, Basketball Diaries starring DiCaprio. But there was a lot of these kind of happening around the time, and these were. It, it was. I think again we're talking about it, but me and Jordan has been have been talking a lot about sort of the uh, and Mike talking about the the fact that you've got a lot of these. Um, these type of films in sort of like the the, the early nineties, um, before you had like the new wave of, of like American filmmakers sort of ripped everything up and started this this new kind of movement. You still had these these quite sort of adult, but not like fucking movies, adult movies um, that, that were out out there that were really really quite entertaining, but like quite. I mean, this is again. This is quite bleak <laughs> for a lot of it. It's trudging, is what I would say. Mm. It's not quite. It's not quite as biting as I think it was the same year that um, a Bronx Tale came out, uh, which is actually a lot more biting than this. Uh, but yeah, but I, I enjoyed my time rewatching it. It is a it is a a solid four out of five. Nice, yeah. 
What else you've got? I've got one more. Got one more. I've got... Oh, fuck me. I've got three. Um, okay. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, fuck. Um, okay, so yesterday I watched uh, France, uh, directed by Bruno Demont and uh, stars uh, Léa Sadou. So, uh, Léa Sadou plays France de Mure, a, um, a TV journalist who... Um, is very, very, very famous. Everybody wants a photo of her and whatnot. Um, she accidentally bumps into a guy on a mo- uh, on a scooter in a car. Um, and then basically her whole life turns to shit. Um, this film, in its, basically its opening scene... Is Leia Sadu and a bunch of the press at an Emmanuel Macron press conference. Emmanuel Macron plays himself and has a conversation with Leia Sadu. Oh. Which is wild. Yeah. I just I imagine like Mike Lee directing a film and Rishi Sunak having a cameo. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't think that'd happen. Would no, it? no. I mean, maybe not Mike Lee because I don't think this film doesn't necessarily see feel kitchen sink. But you know what? I mean, it just it's odd. And I was just like, is this like some Kenneth sort of Branagh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, is this some sort of weird thing where they've used real footage of him interacting with someone else? But no, apparently he just filmed a cameo for this film. Um, and yeah, so it's. I don't really know what it was trying to do, if I'm absolutely honest with you. It's two and a quarter hours long. And Lea Sadu is very, very good. And she starts off as this woman who is literally the Emmanuel Macron thing. She is like making... She's looking at her PA, who is like to the side throughout the whole thing. And then they have a conversation after. Like, the PA is like, the chemistry between you two was really hot. And it's a bit like, okay, so what's happening? Is Emmanuel Macron basically gone, yeah, I'll be in this if it makes it look like Leah Sadu wants to fuck me. Which does seem like something he would say. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, so... She's really famous, and she yeah, she has this thing, and then she becomes a bit of a, a tabloid figure for, oh my god, she hit this person. But then she treats him and his family really well. And it's odd, because you are thinking, like, right, is something going to happen here? Are they uh, going to, like, try and extort her? Or is she going to, like, do something to offend them, then it's going to all spiral? No. She's really nice to them. And it's just revealed that, actually, she's an all right person and then other things happen through the film um she goes to rehab at one point and meets this guy and there's a bit of a are they going to get together and then there's some twisty stuff with them um in the third act there is a scene of tragedy where major characters in the film die but it's kind of played out as if it's dark comedy Mm. So it, it's like it's odd. It's like I won't I won't say who the characters are, but this car is driving along, 
and it's just like ephemeral music and it's like almost kind of like slow motion and then what happens that one of their tires puncture and they're on this like mountain road and then they manage to kind of like skid to a stop but then this like they've stopped they've spun around a bit they've stopped they're okay and then a truck piles into them but with weird comedic timing and then it like they spin a bit more and then it looks like it's stopped and then the truck nudges them and then they fall off a mountain and then the car explodes and if i were to tell you who the characters in the film would were in this it'd be like what what the fuck um and it's this ri- so movie we're talking about it being a satire and i was just like i don't know what it was it was kind of a character study about this woman who's a nice woman and then the world beats her up and then she ends up um kind of just giving in and it's two and a quarter hours long Leia Sadu's really really good um it was on the Cahir du Cinema top 10 of the year but also apparently John Waters top 10 of the year fair and yeah yeah I kind of get that bizarre bloody film I didn't hate my time with it really 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 messy feels like it was made by two different people fair so that is France but yeah Leia Sadu really good um uh okay i'll do one more uh all quiet on the western front netflix film um so uh yeah it's all quiet on the western front um so german boys go to war immediately find out war shit (laughs) who would have thought who would have thought uh this film is getting uh on a lot of long lists for technical awards this year and i can absolutely see why score quite intense visual effects fucking astounding this film cost 20 million dollars how the fuck did this film cost 20 million dollars insane um aside from that it's two and a half hours long the lead character not very into him not entirely sure why we are following him in particular um how the film plays out just feels like the most obvious way that this film would play out. Um, there are some sections where Daniel Brühl plays the leader of the German negotiations to basically try and end World War I, uh, which is essentially half an hour of the film, which is being done just so there's like a timer being set for who's going to live, who's going to die before the armistice. Yeah, yeah, it's... um, It's it's a remarkable technical exercise and it's worth watching almost for that. But it is also very, very long and I'm not entirely sure as to the nutritional value of it. Have you ever seen the 1930 version? No, I haven't. That's... No, no, I haven't. Yeah, 
It's yeah, it's good, but it, it's 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 just it's it's vegetables. It's it's so many vegetables. This it's is not even this... so many vegetables. It, it, it is just one vegetable that you are chewing for two and a half hours, and you know it's fine. But no one wants to chew that vegetable for two and a half hours. This isn't necessarily vegetables. Like it's tense, and it's it it, it you know it, it it's engaging in the moment. But it's to say it's Chinese food feels insulting given the subject matter. But it's like a serious fast food. It's a Five Guys. I got that. It's one of those. I, I I would have got to it. It's just it's two and a bit hours long, and that's just a long movie, man. It, yeah, it is. It is. Um, but honestly, like the fact that this was made for twenty million dollars is actually mad. Yeah. Like yeah. On, on, honestly, wild, wild. Like some of the war scenes in it, it's like harrowing shit. But at the same time, we know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've only I've only got the one more now. Right. We we watched Jaws. I've not seen nice. Jaws in a long time. Um, and Bex mentioned about watching it. I think it was was it Saturday or was it Sunday night? Saturday, I think it might have been. Um, and Bex just mentioned about watching Jaws. Is, like, is Bex with us? She's not. No, she's oh, okay. she's, she's she's currently stuck in traffic getting home. Oh shit! Okay, <laughs> she's, sorry. She's had, she's had one of those days. I think is Bex. <laughs> Yeah, I I very much see a her getting and going. We're off for a pint, and you don't have a fucking choice in Fair my enough. future. From <laughs> um, that, uh, yeah. So we, we watched Jaws, and I, I mean, right. So when I say it now, Jaws is fucking brilliant. It is great. It is still, even after seeing it as many times as I've seen it, it's still really engaging. It's still really fun. When the fucking shark appears, you still do go fucking shit. Uh, when it, when it just like when it appears, um, when he's chucking the fucking the chum into the sea, and he's kind of like half chewing out um, Richard Dreyfus because he's not doing it and he's having to just be like the fucking chum chugger uh, there. However. <laughs> I do have a complaint about it. <laughs> and it's a very mild complaint. Interesting. But, right. So when they when they first go out on the boat, um, you know, when uh, you've got um, Shida, Sean, Dreyfus, who Dreyfus is fucking brilliant in this, by the way. When they first go out on the boat to catch Jaws, there's too long. It's too long, that section. You could cut quarter of an hour out of that, I think, and it'd still be as effective a movie. It just... It, it feels like it's treading water for a little bit, and it feels a little bit baggy at that moment. And I know there's going to be people listening going, shut the fuck up <laughs> on that. But I just... I was there going... Uh oh. there's a yep. lot of air going out of this balloon right now. Yep, yep. 
um, like end of second act, first of that uh, first the uh, first bit of the third act. Yep. There's 15 minutes you could take out of that. Yeah, easy. And it, easy. You just have a, a tighter fucking movie. And it almost feels like it's there because they were filming bits whilst they were trying to get the shark to work. Yeah, well, I, I could not agree more with that. Yeah, but it's a fucking great time, is Jaws. It's just a really... it. I know it's like, yeah... Like, like the war is hell yeah Jaws is good <laughs> but it is fucking brilliant and the shark is still fucking terrifying <laughs> hey look I've seen Jaws in the cinema twice like there was the, the IMAX the anniversary yeah. it was the IMAX anniversary last year and then 10 years before that there was a re-release in the cinema and I saw it then that's when I saw it yeah and it's like hey look I would watch Jaws on the big screen once every 10 years until the day I die. Yeah, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit pissed off that I didn't go to the IMAX screening of it. Because uh, I bet that was fucking brilliant. But yeah. E.T. and Jaws in the same weekend, dude. That was some fucking yeah. good watching, son. I'll tell you what. Yeah. And the thing is now, I've, I've been kind of putting off watching some of like these, perceived, you know, the, 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 the more classics. Um because, like, I don't know, they, they, they just felt a little bit like, do I really, I don't know whether I want to re-watch that now, or, or is the it thing- too big for the, is, is it too big for a Tuesday night? And I've decided this year, nah, fuck it, I'm re-watching this shit. You have a 4K player. Yeah. If you get the discs, you will watch these films in the best way you will likely ever watch them at home. Yeah. Just do it. I got the Godfather trilogy 4K for Christmas. Like that motherfucker is going on this year at some point. Believe me. Yeah, and that'll be a fucking great time. Yeah. Yeah. What else you got? So my last one. Uh, I took myself off to the cinema, and I saw a man called Otto. Oh yeah, you did, didn't you? The man near Stockholm. Whatever <laughs> we want to call it. I've cannot remember what that film is called but a man called otto so a remake of a swedish film a man called ove um never seen that film before um and uh i uh approached this um fuck's sake no yeah all right sorry um and i approach this being i am going to the cinema to watch something because i want to go to the cinema and watch something a man called otto is fucking great it's great i really really enjoyed this um but i think it maybe needs a little bit of a trigger warning uh because i wasn't expecting that this film is about a guy who is trying to kill himself and tries to kill himself multiple times through the course of the film, but is interrupted by things. And then through the course of the film, learns to realise that life is actually worth living. Yeah, the trailer does not give that off. Nope. 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 He's a cranky old man who warms up to people because of a family that move in by him. That's what the trailer says. And this film kind of does that but also there are other neighbors and also he is constantly trying to kill himself the opening scene of this film is tom hanks at a diy store 
buying shit so that he can hang himself and then getting annoyed because of the fact that he's ordered enough rope to justify um, going up to the next price bracket of rope. But he's like, but I paid for this amount of rope, not that amount of rope. Why are you charging me for that amount of rope? Charge me for this amount of rope. Um, and it, like he he calls his, um, what is it, his gas company to turn off the gas in his home. And they're saying that they'll have to charge him for the rest of the month. And he's saying, well, why do you have to do that? I'm saying I want to quit, like, turn off my gas now. Turn it off. Um, so all this like real weird principle of the matter stuff before he kills himself. And that's in the opening titles. Fuck it out. So, yeah. Um, but... The thing is, you can't, you kind of understand what he's going for there. Like these are things where, if you didn't care as much because of life beating you down as it had him, uh, that you'd be like, "Yeah, go you." Uh, but this family moves in, and he learns to love life again, and it's rather beautiful. I thought um, it's been getting some fairly sniffy reviews um people have basically been calling it nice grand torino uh <laughs> which is probably you know i think is on the face of it fair but people have been but saying a little that bit a criticism. It, 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 it seems a little bit like that seems a little bit lazy <laughs> yeah yeah and it, it's it, yeah it is it I, I think it's more than that it's very very sincere um, it really wants to give you a story about how even though life can be shit and give you tragedy that there are good people around you who can help and who you can help um, uh, and, and uh, yeah I thought it was really quite touching and it's got a last 10-15 minutes or so that were just like yeah, quite, quite, quite something. I really, really enjoyed it. It's um, and it's interesting as well. It it released limited release in the US. It was expected to do about three million dollars, and it did four and a half. It seems to have responded like because limited release. Mm. It seems that people have taken to it, and I could see why. It's a very uncynical bit of work. It's one where you have to. I don't know, have to go with what it's selling, I think. Um, but I, yeah, I I was quite moved by it, I'll be honest. And Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks. He's very good. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the cast generally are actually really good. Um, oh, yeah. That's, I, that's awesome. It's a, like, it's a bit of a surprise one for you, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, to be honest, I mean, like, with the review of the year covering, like, the... 12 months from when we last did a review of the year this isn't going to be in my top 10 of the year but it'll be in my fucking surprises nice I honestly I really really liked it I really liked it Good. yeah so man called Otto cool right uh, we've still got no Becky uh, she's currently stuck in, in traffic because there's 
loads of like road closures apparently. Um, so we'll get on with the pale blue eye. Um, we're saving this. <laughs> However, she did text me earlier and said, "said if, if you need to see the pale blue eye, do it. I don't have that much to say. It's too long." <laughs> okay, all right. Fine. I, I was going to suggest do we record it tomorrow, but if she said that, fine. Yeah, <laughs> she, she was not the biggest of fans of this movie. <laughs> Um, yeah, so The Pale Blue Eye, um, written and directed by Scott Cooper, um, based on the book The Pale Blue Eye, um, stars Christian Bale, uh, Harry Melling, Simon McBurney, Timothy Spall, Toby Jones, uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg's there, Robert Duvall's there, Julian Anderson's there, Lucy Boynton's there, uh, Our Boy Fred's there, um, yeah. It's a bit of a cast. Um, and what is it the story of? Well, I'll just find the IMDB thing, as I like to do with these things, because they, they tell it better than I do. do. Um, the pale blue eye. A world-weary detective is hired to investigate the murder of a West Point cadet. Um Stunned by the cadet's code of silence, he enlists one of their own to help unravel the case. A young man the world will come to know as Edgar Allan Poe. Um, Scott Cooper's a very divisive uh, filmmaker. Um, seems to make almost good movies quite often. Uh, Antlers was the one from last year, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, you are a lot year before last now. Year before last yeah. now, yeah, yeah. Um, which I really enjoyed. A very grim movie. Um, and the, his one before that, Hostiles, I think, is a future fucking American classic. Um, what did you think to the pale blue eye, Ian? Uh, so yeah. Um, I enjoy the work of Scott Cooper as well. I think maybe you slightly more than me. However, I think Atmler's kind of fucks yeah in the like dank darkest fucking way yeah, hostiles rules yeah i mean antlers is just like that's a fucking film that's got no hope in it jesus christ <laughs> um so uh it's banishes in a cheer and look positively cheery yeah it doesn't it though i mean uh, fucking hell um but it, i mean seriously antlers man like that's probably a film i don't think i'll ever see again but it's again really impressive like even just the start of Antlers, where it's like that kid's like waiting in the car or whatever while his dad's going off to score some drugs. Yeah. And then he like <laughs> just Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, so the pale blue eye. Um, uh, as I said to you earlier today, uh, one of the most three out of five films ever made. Um, yeah. this film should have been better. It, it should have been better. It could have been worse. It, it, probably if it wasn't Scott Cooper, but it should have been better. Um, Christian Bale's worked with Scott Cooper before, so I yeah. understand why he's done this. Um, but it feels like maybe a bit of a waste of time for Christian Bale. Um, Harry Melling is just giving a, a otherworldly performance as I, Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> right, you see, there's a, there's a thing here. You know, right, I want to say two things. Have you seen um, these um, 
AI generated real life. This is what the CR. This this is what the Simpsons characters would look like. Sure. If they were reanimated in real life by AI, they're doing like future ones and bits like that. What Harry Melling's young Mister Burns? He, Harry Melling looks looks genuinely in this like like one of those AI renderings of a human. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really he's an odd fucking looking dude. What I will say about Harry Melling though is, I find him fascinating as a screen presence. So the thing is, he's he started his cinematic career as Dudley Dursley in the Harry Potter films. Yeah, he was a big boy, and and and, and, and he's commented on the fact that he had to stay fat to be that character. And imagine, and Bex mentioned this said. Imagine like growing up and going through puberty and going through being a young man at all those homes and something like that. And essentially, you're the fat cousin of Harry Potter. I mean, look, in all fairness, and I don't know, maybe his parents were forcing him, could have been recast. He could have gone, I'm not going to be fat the rest of my life and been recast. Maybe that was his parents, though, to be fair. But the thing is, I... Has it fucked up his physiology or something? Because now he's really, really skinny and it just doesn't look right. Yeah. And I feel so bad. Like, the thing is, I feel bad for it. I'm glad that he's got a career and I, I hope that he's happy in his personal life. But it just, I don't know, it feels like something about that maybe for basically forcing himself to be fat for a decade and then just becoming insanely the other direction. The, I I think he's he's really interesting in the sense that he's he's very much. Cause I saw an interview with him um, about a year or so ago, and he was talking about the fact that um, I think it was it was around when the Queen's Gambit came out. Cause he's in that, isn't he? Sure. And he was saying, "Look, I, I've not made Daniel money out of Harry Potter, but." I've made enough to be a very comfortable man entering his 30s um, out of Harry Potter. You know, I... I you know, saying, I, I, I never want to be a movie star. I want to be in films or be in TV things or be in theatre. And then I want to just go back to my fairly normal life outside of it all. And I can do that because of Harry Potter that I don't have to worry about the next job and I can be quite picky. And I just thought, that's, again, like the whole Daniel Radcliffe, you know, I can choose whatever I want because I've got loads of Harry Potter money. It's a really sort of cool place to be. But he also seems to be just doing a lot of uh, Netflix movies. Yeah. You know, he's he's been in a lot of Netflix stuff. Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Um... Old guard, devil all the time, pale blue eye. Yeah, I, I it's uh, the the thing. I mean, like, I think he's, I think he's good. He just, it feels like, I mean, it's part of the character, but he doesn't exist in this world. Yeah. Um, and I think it slightly hurts it because toward you know towards the end, he's like my, he says to Christian Bale like my Leah, and it's just like, but. 
when was she your Leah? I kind of thought she was just tricking you. And this is the whole thing. Like, the plot of this film, it's all built up to the realisation that, okay, you know, Christian Bale was kind of like the instigator of it all. But then the whole... But hang on a second. Is he talking to his dead mum? And is she talking to a dead great-granddad and what are they hoping to achieve from sacrificing Edgar Allan Poe and it, it, it feels like it's all just like yeah, it, don't it, let, this is the, the, this is the distraction before the prestige and it, that, it, that's it there's an element of well they never killed anyone they just found the bodies like but they, they were, were going to kill Edgar Allan Poe <laughs> and it, it was like what was what was the scene between her saying, you know, you said you'd do anything for me, to him <laughs> yeah. basically being what knocks out, waking up and going, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is like, he's like, there's a bit missing. And then the thing is, there's an element of, of like, oh, come on, towards the end. But it's a really good scene between. Um, Smelling of Christian Bale, where he's talking about the, I've worked this out. It's a really good scene. I mean, it's it's yeah, it, it it is, and you feel the kind of the mutual respect between them. Mm. Like I think Harry Melling actually does very well against Christian Bale. Um, I, I, like, I like the fact that Bale's character is never, he's not like a cranky guy. He never chews anyone out. He's quite. He's you know he never you don't get that that bit where he fucking has a real fucking go at poor. Even the bit where he says you know he, he has a little bit of a go at him. He's like you know the you lied to people, me. Yeah. You lied to me. Yeah. He's yeah. not like fucking screaming like get away from me or anything like that. He's not. He's he's not a fully broken man by the things that have happened to him on the surface. He you know he's. He likes a drink, but he doesn't like fucking... It's not the fucking snowman he likes a drink. <laughs> yeah, no, I... But, I, I mean, at the same time, though, it's like... The thing is, all the way through the film, it's like, okay, there's this central mystery happening, and every now and then we're talking about Christian Bale's daughter, and I noticed that, like, she, they said... He said she's gone away, not she's run away at yeah. one point. It was like, okay, so there's something going on there then. And then you you look at the runtime of the film, and about 40 minutes in, it's like, okay, this is what's happening then. So it's this family, and they're uh, trying to uh, keep Leah alive. And it's like, yeah. but it's 40 minutes in, and a lot of shit's happened. We've still got a lot of time left. And all I'm thinking is, well, there's more to it with Christian Bale then, isn't there? And all like it, it's literally all the way through the film. I'm going. They're doing little bits of. There's more to it with Christian Bale, but then focusing so strongly on everything else that all I'm just like is like I'm just waiting for some sort of revelation about Christian Bale. All the way, all the way through it, and the the idea of he killed the guy, but then they took his heart, and it was like. Well, they were, they were never going to kill him. They'd never kill anyone. But like you say, but then it's like, but they were about to kill Edgar Allan Poe. It literally makes no sense. The film really, really falls apart quickly when you start thinking about it 
after the film is finished. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it does. And that is, that's the problem with this movie, is it, it, it doesn't, the story's just not accurate. No. And that is the problem. It's a good looking movie. It's, it's too long. The acting in it is, is really good. But the story is a bit crap. And it's just, it's a mystery without that much mystery. And then it's a twist that you go, I'm not sure that works. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I, it's, but it, I mean, it looks good. It looks like a film. Mm. You know, which, hey, it's a Netflix film, so that's something. Christian Bale was obviously putting in a shift. So, it, I mean, everybody is. Everybody's putting in a shift. And by the end of it, I'm just like, I'm not entirely sure why. Yeah. Nice to see Rob Duval again in something. Sure, a couple of scenes. Boss yeah. is it. Sure. Weird scene, Charlotte Gaines, but I, I get the feeling that Scott Cooper is a really fucking well-liked dude. Who was Sh- Charlotte Gainsbourg? Was she the barmaid? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. God, that was a nothing role. Yeah, Cooper gets... Stacked casts. I'm sure he's very good to have a meal with. Yeah, and you know he's very good friends with DiCaprio, isn't he? Sure. Uh, and you know it, it's they just he seems like I, I I bet I bet Scott Cooper throws a really fucking cool pie. Look, it needed to be more antlers or shorter or both. Yes. Um, I do still think that his high watermark is always going to be Hostiles, which I'm going to get to rewatch very shortly. Yeah, yeah, so far. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Yeah, because that... I, I'm I'm actually almost a little bit worried about rewatching that movie because I think I'm, I'm hoping that I haven't just built it up too much Nah, that, that, that film kind of slapped. I remember being a bit like, oh, let's see what this is like at the time and being really impressed. I, mm. Yeah, I think, I think you'll still like it. Yeah. Uh, right. Hey, look, uh, def- we... definitely not shit. Oh, definitely like, not shit, yeah. You know, me, just certainly. Uh, very underwhelming. Yeah, just, it's not, just not quite there. It, it, it it's, should have been better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, audience poll, uh, definitely not shit, 86%, and Geostorm, 14%. Sure. Yeah, I'm alright with that. Uh, right, questions. We do have some. Uh, Ethan and Bar, uh, what annual day slash holiday slash event needs more movies about it? Like, give us more St. Paddy's Day stuff. Guy, folks, guy, folks, because... That's a fucking good point, that. Yeah, because there's, like, V Vendetta. I've, I've, I've said this before, but back in the day, I wanted to make a horror film to... called Forks You... <laughs> where it would be Guy Fawkes coming back from the dead. At, but, and I know this tagline doesn't quite work, but remember, remember the 5th of death ember. <laughs> yep. But it works. That tagline. What was that, Lars? That tagline. What? What did I say? Remember, remember the 5th of... Death ember? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's creepy. Yeah, but it's not swearing. <laughs> yeah, you saw that one. Yeah, you had to text me earlier. 
Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, she texted me during the show saying, Daddy, stop swearing. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I responded with poop, poop, and then the poop emoji. <laughs> Solid response. Yeah, I thought so as well. Uh, I want Pancake Day the movie. Pancake Day the movie? What yeah. genre? Horror comedy. Horror comedy, good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we're keeping the theme there. Horror comedy. Yep. Just a pancake near the movie. It's just a guy just wants to fucking. He just wants to. Or like, like a one crazy night one, actually. A one crazy night. A guy is just. He's left work at like seven o'clock at night and his missus has promised him she's going to make him pancakes. And he's just. All he's got to do is get home and it's only like a. 20 minute journey but just all kinds of fucking shit just goes wrong and then the last scene is him just sitting down just completely just like fucking covered in just fucking dirt and fucking smoke his clothes half ripped off and him just sitting down and eating the fucking pancakes as the fucking credits are just rolling along good that with just fucking chaos going on around him yeah that's what I want sounds good a bit like Miracle Mile, but fucking just that. Um, Rick Kidd. After Edgar Allan Poe in The Pale Blue Eye, which real-life figure would you like to see as a character in a murder mystery film? Right, that guy who... Uh, Shackleton. I want to see Shackleton in a murder mystery. That'd be good, actually, yeah. That would be good. Because... You... you you kind of think that he would have thought of all sorts of ways to both survive and kill mm. while on that journey. Yeah. <laughs> not that much else to do, is there? Um, oh, fucking hell. Historical figure involved in a murder mystery. I want someone quite boring. <laughs> Someone like really fucking just like just someone really dull, but I can't think of anybody. Who invent the Wright brothers? Yeah, the Wright brothers. Yeah, are involved in a murder mystery plot there, but the Wright brothers are played by Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. Good, good, good choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah they try to invent what is it? But like one of their. One of the people who is also trying to invent the guy, the guy who invented that weird fucking plane where it was just loads of like fucking uh, wings just stacked on top of each other. Mm. He gets murdered. The Wright brothers are um, implicated in the murder, and they have to kind of clear their own names. And and the surviving members of Wings are invited. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Fucking hell! How have you done it again? Mm. Um, Ian, what are we covering next week? So, it's time. It's Mithrigan, baby. It is. It's Mithrigan and Empire of the Light. Empire. I am literally Friday night, 20 to 5, Empire of Light, 10 past 7, Mithrigan. Are you out of one straight into Mithrigan? Hell yeah. Ooh. That's a that's that's a good time. That is hell yeah! Can't wait. Because Emperor the Light is not getting good reviews. No, it's not. Uh, but 
let, let's see how it goes. Uh, I'm assuming Ennis Men is not playing around you. It feels like that's got a release basically nowhere. Yeah, I, just, I don't think he's playing near us. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll get to Empire of the Light and Mithrigan, um, obviously. I had I had a ticket to a, an advanced screening Venice Men with a direct, uh, with a Q and A by Mark Jenkin, the director, on Sunday. But obviously my back was fucked, so I couldn't go. So I was gutted. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to catching up with it. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's playing near me. Uh, yeah. Let's have a double check. Hey, um, Skinnerink is also getting some sort of theatrical release this weekend, but I don't think it's very big. But um, we'll we'll talk about it on the show in the future. But the so the, basically the logline for this film is a Shudder original, and it's basically two kids wake up in the middle of their night, and their dad's gone. There's no parents there. All the windows and the doors to their houses disappeared, but the TV is on, and that's how like apparently that's how the film starts. All right, that that me intrigued. <laughs> like, yeah, but, like from what I've heard, it's essentially like reminds you of like when you were small and woke <laughs> up in the middle of the night and were terrified. <laughs> That's a fucking yeah, yeah, fuck it, I'm I'm on board for that. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll 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 talk about that at some point. I really, really want to see that, but also really don't want to. But I want to experience it. But, yes, yeah. that, that's it. I I, I want to see it, but I don't want it to freak me out as much as it possibly could. Yeah, the tra- the trailer's something. Yeah, oh, I'll yeah. Get the trailer to watch. Yeah, uh, uh, there we go. Right, yeah. So that was episode four hundred and seventy six. Um, yeah, thank you very much for listening, guys. Thank you very much, Ian. Mwah. Yes, and we shall speak to you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye.